Our theme for this morning is A Surprising God. And uh, I'll share with you now the Bible readings, uh, firstly from Exodus and then from Matthew. In Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 to 12 from the New Living Translation, we read, But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. And then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say. And our second reading comes from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. This is um, just after the feeding of the 5,000. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. So we'll now have um, Merv leading us with some interviews. Good morning. I'd like to introduce two lovely ladies here, hard-working ladies, people that serve our congregation well. We have Kathy Liebig. Uh, Kathy is the, or has been, still is, we see her as anyway, the GROW team leader. And I I think you've all um, observed what GROW has been doing and how that's been impacting on us. And we're going to hear a bit more about that this morning. And Tina Pfeiffer has been a GROW team member through all that time. But she's also a member of the CAPS team. She works in the office and she's passionate about making this a safe place. She nags me every week about it and now I'm going to go and do the training. Everybody, you'll hear more about that. So, thank you for coming. Thanking you for agreeing to be interviewed this morning. Um, They won't bite. (laughs) Well, they didn't last time we did this. All right. So, just a a couple of questions to to lay a bit of foundation. Would you like to share... um, a little bit about your faith history. What influenced you 
so that you're here serving Jesus with smiles on your faces. Is it on? Yes. Um, I would say that um, the person who influenced me the most as a child would have been my parents. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, so I learned who God was. Um, When I moved to the city to study and work, um, my mother made sure I was locked in with a local Lutheran church and I attended um, a small adult group there, young adult group, and they made me feel like I belonged and we also got to meet in uh, the home, family home of a young married couple with two small children there and we would sometimes meet there with them and it was just nice being in a family home because I was living by myself in the city and yeah, so that meant a lot to me. And this young married couple, I moved out of their area some time later, so I wasn't attending that group anymore. And this young married couple came to visit me at that point. I was working at a Adelaide hotel, and they came to visit me um, one weekend afternoon just to see how I was going, what was happening in my life. And I just remember that that meant a lot to me, that they cared um, about how I was going. And Tina? Okay, so I was privileged to also um, be brought up in a Christian home um, and attended the Sunday school and everything. My mum was probably my biggest influence. Um, When um, my parents divorced as well, so it was a bit of a challenging time. I was 10 and then we moved to Adelaide as well and with... My mum and um, were keeping us all in a strong faith. I, I don't know how I would have actually got through that um, in that time if I didn't have a faith. Um, and then we attended the youth, like youth group, so I had some different youth leaders which were really good as well, uh, the parent person in the youth groups, um, and also went to conventions and assemblies, um, which were always really good as well. So my mum encouraged us to do, always be involved in different Christian activities, but yeah, definitely my mum was the one that kept all our family together. There's a bit of a theme here, isn't there, with uh, parents and, <laughs> yeah. and, and mixing with uh, young people mm. of your own age, but also the influence of, of the older people, so we're talking intergenerational, we've heard a bit about that here, haven't we, folks, <laughs> yes, um, and it's very important, isn't it, that we continue those connections. Um, has there been a, ver- uh, a, a a singular, sometimes we have a singular event in our life that we remember was sort of like a jump of faith, um, something where God touched you on the shoulder and sort of said, Haha, I'm here for you. Is there any moment like that? Yeah, probably the one, I think I was probably about 19, 20. And so I was, I'd say I probably had a pretty strong faith at that stage. And an opportunity came up to volunteer at Wycliffe Bible Translators. I had just been retrenched from a job. I actually had glandular fever, so I was on sick anyway. <laughs> you know, meant to be bed rest for six weeks and things. And this came up. And I had, I'm like, I don't want to go there. I had also just found love, yes, to my now husband. <laughs> and um, there was just every excuse I could think of. No, nah, not going. No, nah. yes, I really would like to go. I'd love to go. But now is not the time. Anyway, I, and God kept prompting this and the person that was, had organised that was going to take me, he, because um, he went there regularly and, and I just said, nah. And I said, okay, if this happens, 
I did that three times and each time God said, well, I can, I can provide that answer. So he did. So I'm like, oh, damn, you know. <laughs> what other excuse could I have? But, you know, God had something in place every time. And then afterwards I thought, oh, I shouldn't, because that was back in the days too, you don't dare question what God does. And I thought, oh, is he going to zap me now because I dared to question him? <laughs> so um, he didn't zap me. And it I guess that was where the deeper faith came into it because well, while I was away, I had to rely on him. But the fact that I was allowed to question him and I'm allowed to, it's all part of that having a relationship as we've heard from you know, the recent pastors we've had talk as well. Um, and God doesn't mind if we question him or even get angry at him. And in fact, he wants that relationship to have that communication. Mine was having babies. I have never been so physically, emotionally and mentally exhausted in all my life. And that's when I started drinking coffee. (laughs) But that's when I, because it was so hard, that's when I pressed into Jesus. So as soon as the child went down for a nap in the morning, I'd make my coffee and I'd sit at my kitchen table and I'd just give everything to God. Um, During the time that I had... Between my children, I also developed a chronic discomfort condition, which was only di- has only been diagnosed 20 years later. But I was really suffering in silence with that. And I think if it wasn't for my faith, I wouldn't be here today. Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing so personally. That that's, helps us to, to also identify those moments in our lives, which I think we can all do at the moment. You probably Some of you are thinking of those moments of impact right now just treasure those and share them with other people they're very powerful um have you experienced your faith life impacting the life of others have you seen others grow uh could you tell us about that and um has that changed you has that shaped you for today to who you are um years ago i was introduced to an organization called bible study fellowship and I, because you're in the word constantly and you're being held accountable by a group of people that you're with for the whole year, I just grew so much in my faith and my mum really noticed that. Um, I think it's also why I've gotten so involved here with my church family too. Um, and mum, we, we've, we have conversations and, and I remember her saying to me once, I want what you've got. So she's now doing Bible study fellowship as well. And Kathy got me into BSFT. <laughs> um, mine, one stands out for me is with my nutrimedics business, I came across a lady who had um, really terrible, sore, blistered hands, and she was desperate. She tried all the doctors, so she thought, oh, I'll try something different. I basically said, well, look, I don't think I can help. And then I just had this nagging thing, pray for her. I'm like, oh, yeah, right, God, I don't have the words. As in the Exodus thing, yeah, no, no, no. And it kept going and going. I thought, oh, i got to pray for her. <laughs> so I took a breath and thought, oh, what's the worst that can happen? She won't talk to me again. Oh, that's all right. Um, so I asked, look, I feel like I'm explained. I'm a Christian. She knew there was something, but not necessarily a believer. And I said, can I pray for you? And she, she was very appreciative. So we prayed. I had the words I remember coming out thinking, well, they were not my words. And that was, I think, the freakiest thing, thinking, wow, that was a really cool prayer. Um, that wasn't me, though. Um, and, and then because of that, you know, tears were shed and we had some deeper conversations. Um, 
I don't think any physical healing happened. She did ring me a couple of weeks later, though, and, and had said how much she appreciated it. And she felt more peace internally. So she was struggling, you know, in and out, and she had that bit of peace inside then from that. And, yeah, just having that courage, and it's just reminded me to step out of my comfort zone, um, just to have that faith and courage and listen to God and trust him, and he will give us the words. If we are doing his work, he will give us those words. Isn't it amazing how um, we read the words where he says to Moses, I will give you the words, don't make excuses, and and we still doubt that we're going to get those words. Um, So thank you for sharing that. We're going to have a, a little break in a minute and have a song, and then we're going to come back and talk more about how the ministry that these two lovely ladies are involved in how you can be involved in that and how you can participate in that. And they're going to take over, hopefully, from me. And I'll, you'll listen to me. But are there any questions? They've agreed um, that if you've got some questions of them, um, that we would take those questions. Anybody? Any questions at all? I've got a microphone. They've done a great job then. Would you give them a, a thank you applause for this part? And we will sing... And would you stand as we sing and praise God for providing the words for Tina and providing the people around both of them um, to bring them to this point of faith. So let's stand. So we're going to move on from your formational faith stories to your living faith stories, how you serve God, your living hope. How, how does that, um, how has he shaped you and what ministries are you actually involved in? So what drew you to the ministry? We talked about at the start, Tina, a whole heap, you, a whole huge role for how many years now in, in Grow? Uh, only two. It's, uh, only, it's only two. <laughs> Leading this ministry, that's only two years. How many? Okay. So, what drew you to to? Who wants to go first? You're going to go first, Kathy. Okay. What drew you to Grow Ministry? Hmm. So, a couple of things. Um, I've been a part of the children and family ministry here for quite a number of years, as a user, um, as a volunteer, and also as paid staff member. So, I've had a lot of time to just watch and see what was happening. Um, One of the things towards the end of my time here as a paid staff member, one of the things that I became increasingly uncomfortable about was that we were taking children out of worship. And I also wondered how we could care for, encourage and support our young families in a better way. Um, The second thing was the year of COVID... I had decided to stop coming along on a Sunday morning because I needed to really... I think God challenged me with, well, why do you come along on a Sunday morning? And for me, it had to be more than coming along to worship God, of course, slapping hands with my mates and going home. It just needed to be more than that. And so I felt that that's what God was challenging me with. So um, towards the end of... That year of COVID, that's when Reed asked me to be on the GROW team. And I thought, right, 
now here's an opportunity that I can that I can explore these things that God has placed on my heart with a bunch of my church family who are who are also mm, just wondering about the future. So can I just ask you one question? So was it sort of like Peter? You walk, you stepped out of the boat, and. Jesus said, walk on the water, come to me, do the grow. Were there times when you took your eyes off Jesus and you felt you were sinking and then you had to reach out to oh, him again? The whole time I, I was leading grow, um, I had to keep my eyes on Jesus, otherwise I would sink. So, um, yeah, I just gave everything to him that I was going to do first so that he was a part of everything. Tina. I don't know how you're going to fit all three in, but where you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, actually, probably to start with, my, uh, I, mean, I guess it was always strummed into me as a child with my family upbringing to you'd be involved in volunteering. Okay. That was just a no-brainer in our household. That's what you did. Um, and I guess when I volunteered at Wycliffe then, that truly showed me what people give up to serve the Lord. And that was very inspirational to see how so many people were there doing it. So a bit of a wake-up call there, I guess. Um, the CAPS team, so those who don't know, it's the kids and parents group that we've got coming along who, where we have parents staying with their children years four to seven, and we do activities, and then afterwards we have a time of worship and then dinner together. So it's building all these relationships. And we'd been talking and talking about it, and... Rachel, my daughter, she said, okay, this is, she presented to me this mind map. This is when we get set up. What do you think? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So all of us have been talking, talking, talking. She's put into action and started it. And both, like, we just realised we needed to, like, I guess I had a passion to help young people feel connected and belonging because I think we've sort of lost that a little bit over the years um, and it's also just spending that time with their parents and grandparents. And like each week at the CAPS, we do a bit of a um, feedback form. And it always has been that the kids want their parents there. So for us then that was, okay, this is what we're meant to be doing. And, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's good. <laughs> oh, can I ask a question yeah. there? I'm, I'm sort of into the grandkids thing, not the kids thing, and... You know, little grandkids, 21 down to two. Um, <clears throat> if I come along to CAPS, how can I be involved without, you know, I mean, I'm not very good at playing games. Well, my family might tell you the different, but um, my, how, can, how can we, how can we as a community be involved in CAPS and, and what does that actually do for CAPS? How does that help? Because, you know, we can go along and just increase the numbers. We could all turn up there. Um, you know, we'll give you all a dollar if you come. No, that mightn't get you there, but anyway. Um, how do, what does it mean if we come to CAPS? Um, well, there's a lot you can do. <laughs> Pray, prayer is one big thing as well. Um, one bit of statistic in there is that we've had over 96 different people, adults and children, come along to CAPS at some stage. Whether that has been as a parent, grandparent, as a team member, as a helper, someone in the band, we've had live band just doing everything. So there has been a massive amount of people who have made some connection of some form there. Um, I can't remember the kids, the things Rachel's got all the statistics for the kids. Um, 
But we have even organised, and if you have a passionate thing, like I'd like to organise activities or put suggestions for it even. Ideally, um, we would like to start it from, go to years two to six next year. It would be good to have a youth group at the same time from year seven to 12. But hey, we need some people for that. <laughs> but yeah, so sort of broadening the age group there, I guess. Um, also then there's simple things that have come along to say, hey, I'm able to help prepare food, cook food, clean up afterwards. The biggest thing we want, though, is people to come along for the dinner, worship in the dinner and just sit amongst the families and talk to them, make them feel comfortable, um, belonging, so then they might come. From that also, I'm hoping I'm allowed to share this, that we've got one mother and daughter who want to be baptised from that. So it's an awesome outreach there, I guess. And it's where it's really nice to see, wow, this is serving God, giving up all our time, and this is what we're getting. And there's a lot of families that say they don't get to church, this is their church on that Sunday. So it's only once a month. So if you're able to help us be there or be involved in activities, last month when we did it, we did manage to get out for the water activities, and that was a laugh, especially seeing the adult helpers from the congregation getting into it, ending up having a big water fight, which I avoided. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, there's just so much that can be done, and you might think it's insignificant, but there's a lot that can be done to help. Okay. And, Cathy, where GROW is sort of wound up at this stage, where are you now in ministry? Mm. So I think that people, from, from what we've done... Um, over the last couple of years, I think people are beginning to understand um, why we need to change our culture, um, to come along with an attitude of serving rather than just being served, how important intergenerational relationships are because they grow our faith in Jesus. So thinking about the big picture, you know, we're here to lead others to Jesus, that's it. Wow. Come on, applause for that, Stone. Yes, of course, that's what we're here for. So to make all this happen, I know, Tina, you're very passionate about safe place, making this a safe place, and that's part of making all this happen too, isn't it? So that intergeneration, I'll get the word out, generationally, we can be a safe place. So I'm going to let you take over now because I know that you want to know, everybody's looking there very eager, how can you help, how can you participate in all of these ministries, what can you do? Because if you're not going to do anything, um, and well, then we don't have enough helpers. That's right. So, well, before that, there's another thing that I'm involved in as well. So that's what we want to talk about. <laughs> so, the I help Helen in the office. I volunteer my time on the to help Helen coordinate who serves on Sunday mornings. Now, a lot of you are actually involved in this ministry, but there's so many other things. Um, that you can all get involved in, which is including um, we want to do communion twice a month. To do that, we need more helpers. So things like welcoming the worship hosts, or you might know it's ushering, the setup, distribution and cleaning for communion, tea and coffee, tellering, some of it, music ministry in the band, maintaining the little fold, the folders for the kids to do in worship time, like just sharpening the pencils, um, prayer ministry, flowers. There's a lot of things here. Um, and yeah, to be doing all that, doing a safe thing, that's where we would like to be making sure we do have this safe environment for this training. But I'm going to hand it to Kathy for that bit now. <laughs> oh, wonderful. 
Um, yeah, I've attended the Safe Church training. I went up to the Barossa for a day and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but that's enough of my sharing. Jürgen, you've been to Safe Church training. What was your experience of it? Good morning, everybody. Um, cut a long story short, I'm, uh, as the reading this morning said, I'm not a public speaker, so my, I'm very tongue-tied. But I can say that um, this training uh, surprised me. I find it very, very beneficial. And um, as we all learned last Sunday, how serious uh, it is. And we want to be seen as a safe church. And this is a way to uh, achieve that and, and strive for that. I learned a lot uh, myself. I thought, oh, it doesn't worry me, you know. And uh, so, but I'm um, myself involved in the, in the Bible study, and, and uh, the eldest member is 100 years old. So, um, yes, it's not just the kids who need. Um, looking after and taking care of, but also the elderly. Um, now, I, and yeah, and a good point too, we all get a certificate, a proof that we attended. <laughs> and uh, that was another surprise, but um, I, I highly recommend um, joining that and taking part on it. And as we all learned uh, last Sunday, uh, yes, even this congregation needs it, I believe, you know, after um, listening and learning. So um, i like to encourage everybody, please take part in it and um, make some inquiries. And if you, it doesn't cost anything, the church pays for it, but uh, it requires a weekend of um, uh, understanding, learning about it, and uh, please uh, take note and, and uh, take part in it if you can. I commend it. So, just uh, anything more from you ladies, because yes. this is fairly unscripted. <laughs> um, just one thing with that, um, and you're going to hope you don't mind me sharing. I remember when he registered, he said, I'm going to do it because I then know how to protect myself. So it's not just the kids, but all of us are vulnerable. And, and yeah, and like in the Bible reading Moses, um, it just helps prepares and equips us all to go out and serve him. And as a plug, we've got one on Saturday, the 19th of November. <laughs> Register online or to the church office or see me afterwards. Thank you very much. I'm going to pray for you too in a minute. But why are we doing this? Why are we talking about these things? We get the great command wrong, don't we? Sometimes we think that our role is to go out and make Christians. But that's not the great command. The great command for us is to go out and make disciples. How do you make disciples? You get alongside people, you get to know people, you walk the journey with them, and then the Holy Spirit does the rest. And we've got to learn to walk with each other first, and then we're going to learn to walk with our neighbours and our workmates and our sporting mates and all those people we bump into. So this is the whole thing about our surprising God, is that all he wants us to do is to be people with people 
so that the Holy Spirit can do the work around us. Of course, we're going to spread the gospel. We're going to share the word as well. And that's what these lovely ladies have been doing. We're going to pray for them. At the end of the prayer, we're going to sing and praise God um, from working from the inside out, which is what he's doing with us. Let's pray. So, would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for uh, Kathy and we thank you for Tina. We thank you for the way that from an early age you surrounded them with people who knew you, people who loved you, people willing to share um, the way you went about things, people who fed them the way you fed people, people who told stories to them the way you told stories through parables, people who walked on water with them and then when they started to drown, started to lose faith, you picked them up and you got them back on their feet and you got them back in the boat with you. So, Father, we thank you for them. We ask you to bless them and their families as they continue to serve you, continue to make disciples. We ask that you would bless every moment of their lives as they serve you and you interact with them through your Holy Spirit. So, Father, bless them and we thank and praise you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we sing?